Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell and the demure diplomat, Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation, www.worldtrumpetfederation.com. Done. Now you're doing it right. And it's not just about the trumpet with us. The WTF is home to the Open Bell Podcast, offers informative articles, shares cool videos, and gives you access to Joey's almost famous blog, which by itself is reason to stop on over to worldtrumpetfederation.com for some new perspectives and lots of trumpet fun. And by Longer Table Woodcrafters. Started in 2020 by trumpeter Bryn Marciando, Longer Table Woodcrafters LLC creates reclaimed wood furniture and decor ranging from coasters to custom-made tables. The company's philanthropic mission is to donate an item to local community partners for every item sold. Donated items range from children's art caddies to some absolutely beautiful desks. This is such a great story. Bryn is a longtime friend, and she's giving back to her community in Albuquerque, New Mexico, in the most beautiful way. And a special interest to friends of The Open Bell, Bryn has designed and builds custom-made mouthpiece stands which hold up to 28 mouthpieces and are completely made from pallet wood. They are, to say the least, very cool. So get on over to www.longertablewood.com or look for Bryn and her exciting new company on Facebook and Instagram. Longer Table Woodcrafters. Reclaimed. Recycled. Reimagined. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up a couple things and no offense. We use these segments to enunciate, echo, and express information that we believe is important to an eager and excited trumpet ecosphere. Gentlemen, shall we? Warming up is a segment we use to ease into the show by sharing some things that are on our radar. And each week is brought to you by Chopsaver. Many thanks to Dan Gosling for his continued support of the Open Bell and continued support of brass players everywhere. Uh, Guys, I know that you're going back and forth between the SPF and the non-SPF, right? Okay. I've kind of settled on the SPF SPF formula year-round. Oh, look at you. But I... I noticed something, and I want to get your take on this. I've noticed that because I've been on the SPF formula for so long, I'm not oiling my valves as often. Hold I, on. I think. Hold on. I, I know. <laughs> really? I, yeah, and I think my valves are moving better than they were before when I was using that other terrible black cylinder of death. Well, no one should use that. Right. So, why Joey, would, why what, would you put wax on your body? Which, so, which one are you guys using now? Right now, in my I'm pocket. All in, in my left pocket, left front pocket's the green one right now. All right, the original. I'm all in the S- SPF all the time. Your so yours is, okay. You're using the orange. Okay, Joe, do you I have your trumpet right there? The yeah, I've got it right here. Let me hear your valves. Seriously, my valves? All right. Yeah, I'm gonna hear. Okay, not bad, right? Yeah, not bad. All right, Brian. Good. Let's, Brian, let's hear your valves. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. Wow, that's. I don't think that has anything to do with the chop saver. No, it's not the. It's, That's not it's, okay. It's not the chop saver with him. Wow, <laughs> dude, your valves are epic. We gotta, we gotta get. We should get that looked at. Yeah, maybe that could be your topic Keeps for warming up next time. week <laughs> instead of the cornet. All right, what do you got for us? Okay, so um, 
I always talk about cornet and brass banding um, <laughs> with good reason because I'm totally into it. And um, so so this this time I, I did a thing. I bought a membership to a, a, a um, yeah to British Bandsmen, which is a um, periodical. Um, yeah, Joey's going to look it up. I'm, I'm looking so it up right I now. Did. You keep talking. I now have a membership in the online version of this publication. And um, I used to see it when I was in the UK, and um, I never have had a, a membership before, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. So I was reading some stuff today, and I found out that um, our good friend Tom Hutchinson took six weeks off last summer during COVID because the band was down. He stopped playing for six weeks. Wow. Yeah, I found that fascinating. Wow, that's I mean, wow. he didn't go face he didn't, and he didn't have to anything, like uh, fall off his bike to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just took time off. No injury for an excuse. <laughs> he didn't have to face plant. Wow. To do so, it. so how how did he say coming back was? Well, I heard him play. He did a master class for us in January, and he sounded great. <laughs> um, but he said in his article. Um, he said the thing that he wasn't really prepared for was how much extra work he had to do to get his tongue back in shape. So, hmm. he, you know, he's known for that incredible articulation. Um, right. And uh, so he had to do a lot of work. So his article was about, about that. But I was impressed. Six weeks off the horn. Hmm. Wow. That's yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, that's, really that's a long time. Anyway, so I so I I bought this membership to this to this magazine. It's yeah. it's very cool. I'm very excited about reading it. And you like it? I totally like it. How many pounds was it a year? Well, <laughs> <laughs> do they take they euros now they or no? Did the <laughs> they no, they never took euros. How many quids? <laughs> How many quid? So it was like <laughs> what thirty quid? <laughs> there it is. Are there penny <laughs> yes. farthings involved in this? Yeah, <laughs> that's a bike. <laughs> an old bike new periodical outstanding <laughs> only uh. only brian would in 2021 decide to subscribe to a british magazine yes <laughs> that's insane I'm all, in. I'm all in and he's so, so out of touch socially that he still learned something from it <laughs> <laughs> this was news to him wow there's a third valve now that's amazing wow. <laughs> This will never work. Joey, what do you have for us? Well, I've got a crazy story for you guys. You're going to love this. On on Friday afternoon, I got an email from a guy I know around here who asked me this question. Hey, Joey, would you be interested in playing a solo on a John Mellencamp uh, song for his next uh, recording project? Hey, all right. Yes, and, ding. Uh, and uh, I, I told my wife this, who, who's much more uh, a pop music fan and rock music fan than I am. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to need to be involved with this. <laughs> so uh, I, of course, wrote back. Uh, and I've, of course, you know me, if, if there's trumpet involved, I want to be there. So uh, there was a, some I'll con put you in contact with and contact with. So I, I get contacted by uh, one of the, his people who says, all right, I'm going to send you a chart and, uh, and, and some tracks you can listen to, which he does. And then says, we'll be in touch. I said, great. So I didn't hear anything uh, until yesterday. And so yesterday he calls and says, all right, listen, I think we're going to cut this thing today. Can you make it out here tonight? Would that be okay? And I was like, I, I, actually, I can. And he says, what about tomorrow? I said, I can make tomorrow available. I'm trying to be flexible. I definitely want to do the project. It's going to be cool. Nice. All right. All right. I'll be in touch. So he calls me back at four o'clock and says, all right, can you come on out? <laughs> and I just <laughs> finished my day. My teaching day had just finished up. I said, 
actually, sure. He goes, all right, well, come on out. And I said, uh, it, where is, come on out here? He goes, oh, right, right. I think they're very used to dealing with their people. You know, they have the same people they've worked with for years and years and years. Sure. And I don't know that they've used trumpets in any kind of regular way, if ever. All right, here's where we are. He gives me directions and tells me where I'm going. So I drive out. And so I get there. And uh, so, I, you know, I walk into the, in the studio and, and there's John Mellencamp sitting on the couch right in the booth. Mm. <laughs> they introduced wow. me. Uh, John, this is, uh, this is Joey. He's going to play trumpet. He goes, oh, nice. And he was a very pleasant, very nice guy. So along all this time, I, fi- I did actually ask uh, when they called at noon yesterday, exactly what do you want me to play? Oh, well, you know, you know, maybe, uh, you know, kind of around the melody a bit here and there, maybe a solo. And that was the, the, the entirety of the instruction that I got. <laughs> so <laughs> I bring this up, not just, I mean, not, not to like brag, although I'm happy I got asked and happy That's to have done cool this. It's but exciting, yeah. from the pedagogy standpoint, which we talk about a lot here, we always talk about trying to be prepared and being flexible and being all these things. This is not the same kind of thing. This is not something that's in my comfort zone in any way. These are people who make music a different way than than we normally think of making music. We normally get music, sheet music, and here you play this and you go do this. What my chart was, was the words to the tune with the chords generally where they correspond to the words on just a normal sheet of paper there's no music there's no notation anywhere and then and then a demo of somebody singing it you know just piano and, and voice so i had spent some time trying to figure it out and of course trumpet players you love this you know when you deal with with vocalists it's in the key of concert a so of course i'm playing in <laughs> b which is lovely <laughs> so helpful so i had kind of you know okay there's some piano stuff here they may want me to play that i, I kind of transcribed that got this together got that together but i don't know what i'm about to do so i'm walking in thinking okay be patient and be flexible and you know so i said uh so we're in there and they're playing what they've done they've got the chart pretty much done and they said okay we just want you to play just this solo section here you know right after the bridge there's this little place and i said okay yeah sure i've got it and then john mellencamp on the couch says you know actually if you could after the solo just keep playing all the way out just kind of around the vocals is that okay said absolutely sounds great you know i've listened to the ch- I, I think i've got a good handle on this but again i have no idea what's about to happen <laughs> so we walk in we get set up on the mics we get set up on the thing they get the sounds like okay you can hear in the headphones everything good okay let's go so they start the tape and by the way they actually record on tape which i loved uh <laughs> actual tape actual tape there's actual an actual tape machine tape. real to real <laughs> real yep it's going <laughs> spinning in there uh so they start me maybe you know in the last you know two sentences before i come in and so I play, and then I kind of I play through the little solo, the, like the eight bars where there's no vocals or whatever, however long it is, and then add the vocals all the way out until the tag. And then there's that, as we all know, that part where it stops, and then there's that silence as I'm waiting to hear, okay, just get out of here. Who do you think you are? You know, who knows what's coming? <laughs> and, I, right. and this is the first thing I hear. Thank you, next. Hey, that was really nice. So, like, uh, are you happy with that? They're asking me, and, and I said, um... This is, I mean, this is your project. If you're happy, I'm happy. And they're like, huh. I said, I'm happy to do another, whatever you guys, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And they said, well, yeah, okay, let's just do one more. You know, pressure's off. That was really nice. So they run it back. We do it one more time. I, I, I definitely feel a little bit more comfortable now because at least I think we're on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. We do one more. 
And uh, this is, you know, this is, you know, how musicians can be, right? So there's that little click. Okay, man, you're fired. You get on out of here. You're done. <laughs> Which was, I thought, kind of funny. It was kind yeah, of charming. Yeah. Right. So I walk in. They go, come on into the booth. Come on in. Let's let's go listen to that. So they play back the whole tune. We listen. And, uh, you know, there's John Mellencamp sitting there. And he looks over and he says, hey, man, that was beautiful. Thank you very much. And I said, I appreciate that. We chatted for just a second. And uh, I was in. I was out of the building b- b- probably within a half an hour. Wow. But wow. you know, so, so cool. it was it was a, a really a very cool experience to have. Um, and for those of you who don't know, John uh, Ma- John Mellencamp lives here in Bloomington, Indiana. So he's lived here, I guess, forever. You know, so uh, that's how that comes to be. Like you know, how is John Mellencamp recording in Bloomington? He actually lives here. So the the weird part of this is, you know, I think of myself as fairly confident, and fairly versatile. But boy, in preparing for this, I realized. Oh, I don't do this, but this is a, how right. a lot of music does get made. And so here's a whole nother section here. You know, here I'm in my mid fifties going, well, this is new. <laughs> and so I'm happy I did it just <laughs> from not just the standpoint of getting to do something kind of cool, but of putting yourself out there, putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation, put yourself right. out there. That's a learning environment. It's, you know, a learning experience. And I was really like i said going out there i had no idea what was going to happen that's cool so though. and that's even exciting. in the back of my head like right now i'm thinking yeah and then they're just going to say no nah, no trumpet so if it does <laughs> you know when it comes out if the solo is actually still on there i will definitely let you guys know and tell you you got to go buy the buy the yeah, cd definitely <laughs> but sure. that's wow. uh that was uh my last couple of days which was a whole brand new experience which was very very fun to do frankly i have two questions because i'm fascinated by the whole thing one, uh, were Jack and Diane there? <laughs> well, if they were, I did not meet them. But I, I heard that there's a little story about them. Yes, I've heard that too. And secondly, what were you wearing? Well, I mean, what do you wear to this? Like, well, I, I, this you is... get dressed up? You're coming from work, right? Well, You're coming from work, so you got a tie on? or What's going on? <laughs> this, is the, this is this I did think about on the way out. Because as you guys know, I'm a fairly uh, casual person. And they called me. When I'm at the end of my day and I'm sitting here in my office having taught some trumpet lessons, and if I wanted to go home and change, that's the opposite direction, and they seem to be like, let's go. So I was wearing, uh, I was wearing, you know, a short sleeve dress shirt. Mm-hmm. I had shorts on and pink high tops. There we go. <laughs> there it is. When you met John Mellencamp <laughs> and pink high tops. for him. That's correct. I don't and, think he's going to forget you. <laughs> and please say it was the pink trumpet case. Oh, I absolutely had the pink trumpet. Yes, the the Messina case, the yeah. pink Messina case. That's a, that's a go-to. Yeah. Wow, that is good. Great yeah. story. So Total it's a really good story. Absolutely. So wow. what do you got for us today? Well, man, I, I have two things, but one I thought was really cool until you played for John Mellencamp. Now I got nothing. <laughs> um, so I, we had studio class today, and... Um, and it was it was really cool. And I, we were talking about um, I had a couple different piccolos there, and we were talking about the difference between the cornet shank and the trumpet shank when you're playing the piccolo. Right. And since I'm playing the shires now, I've actually switched over to the cornet shank, which was really cool. Yeah. And then one of my very thoughtful students <laughs> asked a question, and I gave an answer which I thought was right, but I wanted to get you guys I wanted to get your opinion on it. Uh, she she raised her hand and she said, "What's the difference between cornet players and trumpet players?" And my response was about $60,000 a year. 
I mean, am I? What do you think? I think it's a little bit more than that. Ballpark. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna need to, to translate in that into pounds. Yeah. Into quid. <laughs> into quid. Into quid. <laughs> there are six six digits there. Yes. Uh, so my uh, my actual thing for warming it's, up is this: it's the difference in pints and liters. I would think actually. <laughs> um, I had a really cool experience last night. Uh, live performance in the hall. Right. Oh, nice. With people there. Uh, my dean, who is retiring uh, at the end of the year, um, is a composer. And uh, actually, Joey did his uh, doctorate at IU. Or actually did his, his master's at IU. He's our people. That's good. Yeah, he's your people. Um, and then doctorate in North Texas. So, um, But anyway, uh, has done a lot of composition. And I played on the opening fanfare, which is a really, a really cool piece that he wrote for our current president when she became president. Um, of the university. But I just wanted to say that like a return to the process of it was really interesting, right? Yeah, like sure. I yeah, I've done a couple of things where I've recorded for some church things in here and there, but to show up in concert dress, go through the process of having the gig, so the warming up and making sure you have the gear and the music and all that. That that was a really This is why you asked me what I wore because yes. you dressed up and looked well, good I and I was a schlub in a studio. Black, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, but the second part of it was just sort of sensing the like total joy of everyone that was involved because we yeah. were there for a live performance. So there's a sound check, and then there's the gap in between where we're all kind of hanging out, and we're you know we're wearing the masks and we're distanced and we're being careful, but yet we were all there, you know. Yeah. And it, it was just really cool and just kind of affirming that look, it's going to come back and it's going to be great, but it's going to be weird, you know, yeah. <laughs> like just was so like uncomfortable going do i have everything i need to walk out there and do this thing because it's been so long that some stuff wasn't on autopilot you know yeah right. yeah you yeah, have to think about though. that that's really good yeah you yeah. will have to think about it like double and triple check before you leave the house you know you really appreciated being out there right oh my goodness yeah you i really mean it appreciated was being out there absolutely yeah. it was incredible to be there yeah, so it was a f mostly faculty brass with some of our students and and percussion, you know, playing this fanfare, and it was just it was just great, you know. That's and very cool. That's yeah, very cool. it was really cool. But it showed it kind of reminded me of both sides of what this is going to be like. Like uh, it's going to be really interesting. So, uh, and super excited tonight, Tromba trivia. It's time for another round of Trumpet Trivia. Uh, now, I know after our last episode, this is, it's going to be really difficult, I mean, to keep up with that, you know. Yes, it will. I mean. Bar was set pretty high. Backboard bingo, truth or dare was <laughs> you said You said very high. You said it at double C's. Yes. That's where the bar was, yes. It was a double C. But tonight, Joey, you won't need your horn. Just your vast knowledge of great trumpeters because we're going old school. It's time for Tromba Trivia. Oh, man. All right, question number one. This great trumpeter is known for many things, but if you asked his teacher, he became the trumpeter he is after an incident in his education when he was reprimanded for being underprepared for a lesson. The student returned two weeks later and performed all 14 characteristic studies from the back of the Arben book. Now, perhaps it was his teacher's scolding that motivated him, or perhaps it was his humble upbringing in a mining family that taught him this kind of work ethic. In a mining family? Yeah, his family was miners. 
do we get hints or we just have to go in? We I go do in here? have I do have some hints. This Hold is a very a famous Hold trumpet on. player. Mining family. Uh-huh. I thought that actually would be enough to. T- I would yeah, have actually this gotten rings, it based this on that. This rings a bell here. Marie like, Sandre is this Hersith? I'm sorry, Brian. Maurice Andre worked in a mine. And you win. Maurice Andre. There Maurice it is. Maurice Andre, yeah, was a miner. Yeah. There it he is. did all 14. All 14. <laughs> Could you imagine <laughs> throwing someone out of a lesson and they come back two weeks later, loaded for bear, and play back to back all 14 characteristic studies? Well, he was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, and the you know, legend is that's what made him who he was. That was the moment he became more. He got Andre. serious. That yeah. lit it. That lit the fire. I think nice. getting out of the mine was probably pretty good motivation. <laughs> Might have played a part of it. Yeah. Um, okay, question two. This renowned pedagogue was the first to record the Hummel Concerto in E. His long list of accomplishments include being in the Navy Band, attending the Juilliard School of Music, and teaching or mentoring some of the world's greatest players, including the likes of Rolf Schmedvig, Ray Mace, and Bill Chase. He is an anchor <laughs> in the trumpet community. Yeah, we know Brian, this one. Brian thought Brian? he knew yeah, this. Yeah, Brian was we buzzing in. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead. That's Armando Catala. Yeah, that's yes, Catala. Yes, it is. Yeah, and in fact, if uh, if you look at the LP, the cover on this, you mm-hmm. see that his tuning slide is actually in upside down. Yeah. On his that's C, because right. he played it in E, he played trumpet. it on C trumpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the so, and yeah, the tuning. Yeah, he was saying that, that that locked in a little bit better if you put the tuning slide upside down. Unbelievable. Yeah. And the lip trills in the second movement are, I mean, the trills are lip trills in the second movement, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's doing all lip trills. Crazy. I th- yeah. I heard it was one take too. Wow. Of course, the legend grows, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great recording. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my hints were good too. Anchor tonguing, that is. Born in <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. But moved north. Almost killed J.M. That was one of my hints. <laughs> that's awesome. A shout out to our friend John there, yeah. <laughs> who studied with Gitala. Okay. Question three. Uh, This orchestral trumpet player enjoyed a 33-year career marked by artistry, a beautiful tone, and a commitment to the musicians around him. When he retired, he moved south to do some teaching, and as part of that, returned to his roots and volunteered to work with young musicians in the Salvation Army Band program. Well, I mean, that's got to be Phil Smith. Of course, that's what you would say, because it's a trick question. Oh, It's not Phil Smith? It is not Phil Smith. But I wrote it so that it would sound like it's Phil Smith. But I was intrigued by the path that it was similar. And this is someone who deserves mention. Wow. So the, the clues are, don't say Phil. Well, we already did that. This and you were with me, Brian, on that, right? Like, we both I was yeah. totally oh, in. You guys yeah. were okay. all in. All right, we were yeah. both in. You You're suckered us both. Both the cliff already. Yeah. And James Moore is still just staring at his phone going, I have no idea th- what <laughs> any of this means. But he does now have a flugelhorn. He did buy We've shamed him into buying We a have bullied him from across Dr. the country James to buying Moore. a flugelhorn. Congratulations, Please, James. <laughs> We've yeah. influenced or, you know, bullied several people into spending money on equipment and reach, you know. <laughs> and actually practicing. Yeah. And actually practicing. Yeah, so work. the next hint is going to be a giveaway. He always made Bud sound great. Was it Chickowitz? Nope. <laughs> so you know it was in Chicago. So my third clue was, is the Chicago way. <laughs> 33 years? 33 years. Is it Will Scarlet? It That's is Will Scarlet. The there we go. Yes. And when I say he moved south, he moved south to McHenry, Illinois. <laughs> 
Like that's hardly <laughs> south. It's south of Chicago. You cannot dispute that. You get a wow. And wow. I didn't, I didn't know this in my research, uh, this too. Scarlet is credited with the Schilke numbering system on the mouthpieces. Is that right? Oh. That's what I read. I did, I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but I didn't, uh, the parallels with the long orchestra career and then going back to the Salvation Army Band to teach kids and stuff I thought was really cool. Yeah. And yes, it sounds like Phil Smith. Yeah. Will Scarlet. Will Scarlet. There we go. Well, with Journeyman. the hints we got there, we'll take it. Yeah. 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 You're good. All right. When this great trumpeter was eight years old, his pediatrician suggested that he study the trumpet to help with his asthma. By age 10, he was studying with Louis Davidson. By age 16, he was playing second trumpet in the Pittsburgh Symphony under Fritz Reiner. And through his career, he also studied with George Maget and Harry Glantz. He performed with the Minneapolis Symphony, Radio City Music Hall Orchestra, and the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra in L.A. Wow. Yeah. And I didn't realize, I mean, this is a lot of stuff for this. I didn't realize he came on so young, and I didn't realize that it spanned the entire country because I think of this person as being very regional. Is that stamped? It is not. I don't have a guess. You want some clues? Yeah, let's get some clues. Okay. Feel the burn. Feel the burn. Not Sanders. Bernie Adelstein? Bernie? There it is. Is it Bernie? Really? It is Bernie. Yeah. 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 Well, he also and taught at IU. Oh, yeah. I thought I'd leave that out. <laughs> I wanted to go with schools people had heard of. There it is. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, so 16 right, years old right. playing in Pittsburgh. Right. I did yeah. not know that. Yeah. yeah he was young. Yeah, did you not did mention not that he, he played doing. principal in Cleveland? Well, that was that my next clue, was Cleveland Rocks, okay. but that would have given it away, yeah. 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 Wow. This is a guy, I mean, my teacher, my undergrad teacher, talked about him all the time. He was like a total hero of his. Well, So it, I've been aware of him for a long time. Uh, Ryan Anthony also talked to him about him like that as well. Mm. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. Crazy, though, right? At 16, that's like Gil Mitchell, um, you know, um, Gil passed away uh, just a couple of years ago, but when he was 18 won the job in Louisiana, <laughs> right? Like 18 yeah. years old. Ernest Williams School of Music just comes out, bam. Yeah. Wins the gig at 18. Crazy. Good for them. All right, one more. Okay. This larger-than-life trumpeter is credited with being one of the strongest, loudest, most remarkable trumpet players to ever play the instrument. He was also a bit of a hard case. In fact, legend goes that he went an entire season without saying a word to his newly newly appointed co-principal until one day they <laughs> were standing side-by-side side like at to, the urinal. Like buzz in. You can't buzz in. <laughs> They're standing side-by-side side at the urinal on a break, and he said this now-famous line, Men die to the sound of the trumpet. That's Mel Broyles. Yes, it is. <laughs> that's one, that's one of my teachers. I studied yeah. with Mel. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And so my clues were Joey ought to know. <laughs> Not baked, but <laughs> broiled. Yeah. And also what you're either dead you're either dead or alive at the Met, something like that. Yeah. Right. Like he's known for like like these really great lines. So Joey, what what was that like? The Mel Broyles thing? It was he was great. Uh, lessons were uh, he taught at least me, and I, you know I didn't see other people in a, in a very non-traditional way. <laughs> well, he did teach everybody in this way. He didn't like going to the schools. You know, like I was at Juilliard my freshman year, which was literally across the street from the Met. 
He did not have a studio at Juilliard, <laughs> and he did not have a studio at Manhattan. And you know, he taught at all the conservatories in New York. You would come to the the stage door of the Met, and you like the first time he'd meet you there, and he'd tell introduce you to the stage guys. What you do is you sign in here, and then we're going to walk back here, and I'll meet you, and we'll go find a place to play. So every week you'd walk around to the stage door, and what I heard from my friends who were at other schools is that he would give them two subway tokens. Because he didn't want to have the the pay to come to a oh, lesson. Wow! Right. So you'd walk in, he'd hand you two subway tokens to get you in and out. The kids from Manhattan and stuff. So yeah. we'd go down, we'd set up, and he's like, "All right, uh, why don't you pull out this horn?" And then he would, "All right, play me this, but we should play that in uh, like a trumpet. Play that." And I'd play. Go, no, 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 no. What you got to do is what you got to do is do this, do this. All right, do that, do that. Okay. Next, get out your other horn. Now play this one. And everything was basically sight transposing. <laughs> We're just reading and reading and reading and playing and reading and playing and reading and playing. And every once in a while, he brings stuff in, right? you know, and like, yeah. hey, I wrote this. Let's play this. Hey, I wrote this. Try this out. Try this. Wasn't play his this. penmanship, like, meticulous? Really great. Yeah. You know, wow, really Brian, great. Brian, you, you could maybe check some of that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that's <laughs> But I will tell you, that one of my last lessons, like, he had, uh, had missed a week. They had a busy week. And he said, well, let's do a double next week. Come in here, and we'll have a lesson. I'll buy you lunch, and we'll do another one. And I said, okay. Because I had a bunch so of cool. so we're like having in the cafeteria of the Met, and people are walking by, and you know. But uh, the second part of the lesson, he's like, "Well, you like playing like big band stuff, right? You enjoy that, yeah, yeah." And he had the book "Double High C in Ten Minutes." You ever seen this? And I'm like, <laughs> "No, I've heard about it. Let's check this out." So we're in there like reading the etudes, which like go up to high Gs and high As and stuff, and he is crushing. Like I'm sitting there looking, going. Holy crap, that's amazing, you know. No, he but he was, was he was his personality was as big as a house and but he could really play. And I will tell you this, he also just gave me tickets every once in a while. He'd say, "What are you doing?" Oh, I'm like, yeah. "I'm a freshman in college. I don't have any money. I'm living in New York City. Well, I'm not doing anything. Here. Come see the or- come oh, see the uh, come see the opera tonight or tomorrow night." And some of the times they were just standing room tickets. Some up in like the third or fourth balcony at standing room and but I always came and watch. But a couple times I remember seeing Vatsik Middle of the oh, grand sure. balcony. Right. And I'm sitting there, and this woman comes by and says, oh, you're Joey? And I said, yes. It was Mel's oh. wife. So she sat down next to me, and we watched the opera together. Wow. You know, oh, he was, he was, He was great. Yeah. He was great. Um, so in doing, in digging this stuff up, I read some of the stories. Mark Gould has, of course, that's where that story <laughs> came from. Because the real quote is, Mark Men died to the sound of the trumpet, and Gould was like, "Oh my God!" Like, right? This is the first thing he said to me. Totally. Um, but when you read a couple of those stories, and I remember Brian Pete has shared some of these stories. Yes, yes. Pete, our friend Pete Bond, who was there with him, you know. Right. But stuff like yelling out in the middle of like a show, like, "God, I love this job." <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, like, he'd, like, he'd yell out, "All right, settle up, boys, we're going in." You know, yeah. it, it was just, he was fantastic. <laughs> And he fell over on Pete in uh, Rosenkalver there, right? That's when he right. Had the stroke. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 He fell over on Pete. Yeah. After now, was the big it the moment? At, yeah, played the solo, and Pete was like, "It was stunning. Like it was beautiful." And then he just collapsed. Yeah. 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 Oh, brutal. Well, boys, time what now did for. You, do so badly? you know, you did pretty well. Yeah. Really did pretty well. Time for a couple of things. <laughs> Today's topic is intended to help those who have strayed from the path. 
the lost sheep that have, for one reason or another, have become less active or downright inactive when it comes to the trumpet. It's okay. It's not too late, and we are here to help. Uh, in fact, just this week, we got a lovely message from a regular listener, a seasoned music educator who has been so inspired by the open bell that he's decided to go back to school and get a performer certificate after many years of teaching. How All about right. that, boys? Yes. We, we're yes. making a difference here. We're doing good work. Dave's so here we one. go. This is the open bell version of Couch to 5K. <laughs> right? <laughs> I like That's it. It's great. Let's uh, let's see if we can help some of our friends get activated and uh, and keep them that way. Now, I, I've got a bunch of, I'm sure you guys have ideas about this too. We can we could dig in and give some folks a way to, to get back at it. Sure. Well, I think this could help, help uh, band directors too when they get their bands back in the room together for the first time. You know, high school, junior high school bands. Um, talking about starting them slowly could be very, very helpful. Go ahead, Joey. No, it's great. If you got stuff, I, I mean, was, I was going to tell this one story. There was a uh, when I started here at IU. There was a we have a, what's called an individualized major program. So you can basically, if you get here, lobby and say, "I've made my degree program." If you get a faculty sponsor, you can do whatever you want. And so one of my students was in that program. And he was doing all kinds of crazy stuff, but he was a good trumpet player. And he, near the end of the year, said, hey, I'd like my wife to meet you. She's a trumpet player, but she's kind of stopped playing. And she had done her master's at IU before I got here. And I said, okay, yeah, have her come by. So we set up a time on a Saturday afternoon. She was going to come in. So she came in, and I said, so, you know, what's going on? <sighs> you know, you know, I went to school. I went to my undergrad, went to my master's, and then I got out and went, eh, what am I doing? And, and just... The, the the gig wasn't waiting and the, the motivation had lagged and, and you know it's school you're not in school so there's nothing pushing you and kind of demanding those things of you so she just kind of had let it go for a couple of years mm. and I said okay and we kind of talked a little bit and we we're chatting a little bit and I said I think I know part of this and this is where I want to start I think especially for people who've gone to school and majored in trumpet when they come back what they remember is all the stuff that you quote unquote have to do Right. So what I said to her was this. You know you don't have to go play routine. You can just pull the horn out and do whatever you want. <laughs> and she looked at me and went, oh, like that hadn't occurred to her hadn't yet. Done, don't right. her, yeah. yep. And then, you know, she called. And I'll tell you what, this that helped her getting her started. She was trying to figure yeah. out how to get back into it. I mean, just pull the horn out and just play something. Just that's where I think that's the start. What do you want to be doing start with that yeah i mean that's the first thing on my list is play what you enjoy mm -hmm. and it, i mean use play along cds or melodies you know what teach yourself melodies there's, there's some quick gratification there and uh you know yeah don't expect that you have to go to the arbin or schlossberg or you know whatever else that you used to do just have fun with it especially when you've been away for so long it, it, it's you have to remember the joy that it brought you and if you're going to start with, I mean, I like long tones, but if you're going to start with that, that's a pretty easy way to stamp out the joy that you're trying to rediscover. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if, you're, if you are teaching and you have kind of veered off the path, find a way to weave it into your teaching, right? Even if you're teaching elementary classroom music, you can play for children, right? If you're, if you're teaching band, doing a lot of, you know, do ear-to-hand exercises at the beginning of your rehearsal. Keep the horn in your hand. Play. Yeah, and this, I, I talked to my music education majors about this quite a bit because 
student teaching is almost the impossible time. It's like <laughs> the modern version of endangered servitude. You know, like mm-hmm. you're not mm-hmm. on your clock. You're not in your program. You don't have a lot of control of your time. And I'm like, just don't worry about practicing. If you can find some time to do some playing for your enjoyment, just do that. But once you get your first job, then you're going to really realize, oh, I did have time in college. I didn't really realize how busy it is going to be. Mm-hmm. So can you find time within the confines of your job to actually be playing? And again, doesn't have to be practicing. Like you don't have to go, well, I, but before I play, I have to play 20 minutes of long tones and then I have to play <laughs> Clark's mm-hmm. studies and then I have to do and have to do. And we're all big proponents of that. But if you're talking about trying to get back into the groove, that's not the way back in. So, right, if you're teaching and you've got, right, an elementary class, a beginning band class, okay, everybody match. Let's match pitch. Right. Okay, everybody play this melody. And we're going to do one note and two note and three notes or match this rhythm. And can we do that? Boy, a great way where you're playing and they're getting going as well. Yeah, Absolutely uh, win-win. And you weave that in so that it is a daily part of what you do. And, you know, of course... It may not be ideal, but if you're just really trying to become reactivated, it's the perfect way to do that. Um, next thing on my list is manage your expectations. <laughs> like, give yourself a long ramp. <laughs> and and give yourself a, a break from the expectation of, well, I used to be able to. If you've taken a lot of time off, then guess what? Some of those things are just not going to be there waiting for you right away. And that's fine. Yeah, it's not riding a bike. Yeah, it's well, not. That's not a good example for you to bring up. Well, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, it's like falling off a bike. You never forget. <laughs> you never forget. Brian's yeah, good at falling off a bike. Unless you have a concussion, though. then you might forget. <laughs> you might forget a little bit of it. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so if you did the, you know, the Artunian on your senior recital, don't expect to just get right back on the on the horse and do that. It's it's going to be some time, you know, and right. that's okay. Uh, um, oh, you know, got a list. You, Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. I mean, one of the things in thinking about that, somebody coming back and especially managing expectations, how about equipment, you know? Is there, let's, let's just take a sidestep here. You know, let's say you were really in shape and you were doing it all and you're playing a one and a half or a one and a quarter, you know? Yeah. You kind of grew into that and grew into that sound. Look, it's okay if you need to dial it back. Well, it's not even dialing it back. It's fighting, it's again, like always with equipment, finding the right tool for where you are at that time. Right. You know, because I've certainly watched this with uh, older players, no offense to you, Bill. um, There it is. That, that, that there's a there's a real change in equipment I've watched in triple players as they get older. There's a necessity of hey we might need to change this and change this both e- both in horns and in mouthpieces. So if you haven't played in a long time, the idea that the equipment that was right for you when you were playing all, a lot is the same now may not be true. Right. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, in, right. In whatever way that needs to go. Yeah. No. And it manage your frustration too. Um, it can be super frustrating restarting. Um, but the muscles don't really care. They're going to change on their, in their own sweet time. <laughs> you can't force no matter how frustrated you get. It's going to take the time it's going to take. So give, yeah, definitely give yourself a break. You know, and what about, you know, immerse yourself back into the trumpet way of life. I mean, for example, find a good trumpet podcast and listen to that. That's a, cr- that's a great idea. Nothing I could mean, be more helpful than listening to three uh, idiots talk about the trumpet. All day. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. It's a great um, way to go. 
I got another one. You want to keep going? Is that no, it? Yeah, absolutely. I this is this is a good one. I see a lot of teachers do this here because, as you know, I conduct. Yes, I do conduct. A Turtlenecking. Community That's band. not trumpet playing. That's true. It's I call this non-trumpet related musical activity. Right. It's it's and non-trumpet related. You guys caught on to that pretty quickly. It's not okay. Uh, Turtlenecking. Join a, join a community band. Join, join a, a band. local brass band. Just. An, an organization that's going to hold you accountable. Not just hold you accountable, but give you the opportunity and set aside the time, because I want to talk about that as its own thing. We'll, we'll get mm-hmm. to that in a second. But the idea that you know, okay, Tuesday nights at 7, it's band time, or whenever that's going to be. Even if you didn't get a lot of practice in, you know you're going to go play. You have set you, that's and you're going to play with other people. Because practicing by yourself, and hey, I like that more than most people. Mm-hmm. It's not the same as playing in a group, and playing in a group can be really fun, not just from the trumpet aspect, but from the social aspect. You can actually make friends and like hang out with them. No offense to you personally, mm-hmm. Brian. Yeah, I was Brian. Say, that's not <laughs> right. so. You might like practicing alone more than most people, but not more than Brian. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. For sure. I have no a student who's uh, a retired OB. He's he's going to be seventy next month, um, and he started studying with me in January. So we had a few lessons. And then, uh, of course, then COVID hit. And he was, the reason he came to me was he was sitting in a band and one of my high school students was the best player. She also sat in that band. And he was like, after a few months of sitting next to her, he went, who do you study with? <laughs> and <laughs> she said, so, so he made the contact. And, um, but his goal was to not only get good enough to play his chair and to feel comfortable playing his chair, but he actually wants to move up chairs. And so he had a whole, he has had a whole plan. So I think he's up to uh, an hour and 20 minutes a day now. Wow, good for and him. And I was like, wow, that's great. And he's like, well, what else am I going to do with my time? I'm retired. <laughs> well, that, that's interesting. When I was in Kalamazoo, uh, I was teaching at this music store. Most of the kids I was teaching were very young beginners or middle school kids. And there was this one uh, older gentleman, I think he was late 60s at the time, who uh, he had he had seen me when I was on the road and knew I was teaching here, so he signed up for these lessons. So he was on like Saturday at 1030 in between sixth graders. But he would come in every week, and he had two horns. He would have the horn he played on all the time and a horn from his collection because he had oh. not played in 35 years. But now he's retired and like, hey, why wouldn't I just play? I love this stuff. So he <laughs> came right. by, and we were just – and we would sit there, and he's like, yeah, I want to get back into it. What do I do? And he was taking – signed up for trumpet lessons is – there's a good segue and do something else. If this is something you're serious about, you don't have to sign up for even every week, but find a teacher yeah, who can help you do what you want to do, which is not necessarily the same thing that your teachers were doing when you were in high school and college. Right. I think it's healthy. I mean, it, we've got, you know, band directors out there who, who want to play and it's probably been a long time even since they've taken a lesson. Right. Yeah. There's something about that mindset of just agreeing to go take a lesson, get an assignment and work on it and put yourself in that place again. It can be really healthy. What, even if you haven't been playing a lot, it's, that's an even better reason to do it. And you Absolutely. might discover some new stuff you can bring on. You can spring on your students in the classroom. Hey, look at this new thing I learned. And of course, what's a better example for students and their development than having their teacher practicing and getting better? And, and relating to what the student's going through. I think it's a great thing to do. I, I always thought that if you're, if you're a conductor or an educator, artist educator, I call them, um, you're, uh, if you're getting your musical kicks from your students, that's kind of a recipe for burnout. And so, you know, if you're going to 
if you're going to get you those kicks, not from your own intrinsic investment and creativity, then you can be really, you can be really jaded by year 20 or 25. And that, yeah, and uh, that doing that will bring a lot to the podium. And I think we see a lot of that. We see a lot of people who go into music education and want to be great music educators, and they and they are successful in that, but miss that part. Mm-hmm. But I miss playing. But I wish I was still. And could I still be? You know, um, one of my high school band directors. He, he he was the assistant band director of my high school for a few years. He left before my senior year. Ran the jazz band, and um, I guess I can tell this story now because it's probably the statute of limitations is gone but uh <laughs> one of the things he did he went to, he went and talked to my mother and said hey listen a lot of the local professionals around here somebody's starting a big band and you know i recommended joey to go do this and he was playing in it he was a saxophone player you know and uh so you know there weren't a lot of professionals around at the time and so they said sure let's bring him but they didn't he didn't tell them how young i was because it was in a bar <laughs> so <laughs> he he came and picked me up because i think i was 16 when this was going you know and he's like all right so we're driving in and we went and played in the big band and i actually some of the guys who were local air force guys and some other guys and kind of got connected and started working around but there was my band director like taking a sunday afternoon you think about how band directors are and, and you know taking three or four hours to go play a pickup big band that you know pays ten dollars why because you want to keep playing you know it was yeah. great. It was great to see. Like it was great to see him in that environment. Of course. Yeah, I mean that's like you know, we're all saying here. It g- just gives you better perspective on it. Uh, this isn't a trumpet thing, but it's it's another way. And if your kids are in music, do what they're doing, right? Engage in that. So when my oldest son Mitchell, the summer before fourth grade, this is when they start strings in Mechanicsburg. So he started the double bass that summer, and so I got a double bass from school. And we went to double bass lessons that summer. Nice. Oh, yeah. We, we, yeah, we, it was really cool. We did it together. I was the worst one in the class. <laughs> it was really not. That's because you have to use good. both hands to play bass. Yeah, what is with that? <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> like, my left hand is a thing. hook. <laughs> you right. just hang a trumpet on it. <laughs> for balance. Uh, but, you know, to be involved in that and have your own kids see you make music, if that's the case, you know, to be to be totally engaged with it. But I, I think this is important, too, to do something for yourself, right? To carve out that time, to, like, enrich yourself in some way. Well, this is the big one for me, is that uh, you got to make it the priority and set aside the time and then hold yourself accountable. Like, you know, I've said on here before, I like watching sitcoms. So give up, give up one sitcom a day. As I'm going to go play, and it doesn't mean I have to go practice long tones or Clarks or Schlossberg or whatever it is. I'm going to I'm going to pull the horn out, and I'm going to play something. I'm going to think of something, work out something fun, do whatever I want to do. But I'm going to spend that time, and I'm going to carve out that time on a regular basis. I'm going to make it a priority because it's important. Right. And I think that's it. Uh, too often, uh, it's the first thing to go, which is a shame. I think, you know, a suggestion might be, let's say, just to get back into it, find a recording that you like with a great trumpet solo on it, like maybe a, a John Mellencamp record, and then, <laughs> you know, transcribe that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> there we go. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting there. I, I just have, you know, I, I in my travels, I do encounter a lot of band directors, and, you know, because of their schedules, whether it's family or school or whatever, I think a lot of them have just had to put the horn aside. And it's always kind of heartbreaking, you know, when you think about how much time they put into it uh, in undergrad school and how much time they devoted to it for it to go away. So I don't know, like on a mission to say, get the horn out, use it in your teaching, use it in your everyday life, get back to it. It's just way too important not to. You know? Yeah. If you have a student who really wants to 
do it at the next level, then you could maybe do some parallel learning with them and uh, you might really inspire them. I have a couple of students whose high school band directors, um, because they were getting good, started playing a lot with them. And uh, mm -hmm. they really love that experience of hearing their teacher play, hearing them practice, playing duets with them in the band room. Um, that was really inspirational for them uh, and really helped them develop as players and musicians. I think it's a great example uh, yeah. to young people. And, you know, start a trumpet ensemble, right? Look, NTC has this great high school trumpet ensemble division now, and the students don't have to go to the same high school. So if you are teaching a private studio, get them together, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do a studio night, play, play along, play with them, you know, pick something, get the music handed out and, and engage a bunch of them. It's just like, you know, you can build your own network as a professional. Why not start by doing something like that and keeping yourself involved that way? And if they were looking for like a trumpet ensemble recordings, like where, where, where would anyone look to hear any of those? Wow. I mean, I think there's ideas? really only one place. There's yeah. only one place. <laughs> For and, sure. And there should be a new CD very soon for everybody yeah, to listen to, soon. right? Yeah. Like very excited. Getting, getting excited for the Trumpet yeah. Mundi's fourth uh, CD. The release of the Non-Articulation Agreement. Non-Articulation Agreement is coming soon. Super excited. Yeah, that's going to be great. It's that If that doesn't inspire people to get off the couch and start playing again, I don't know what will. Well, clearly. <laughs> that's going to be the answer. All right, boys, time for No Offense. All right, listen, whether you're teaching or, or just busy with other stuff, you got to make time to stay connected to your music. If you think it's too late for you, you're doing it wrong, okay? It's not okay to leave that trumpet in the closet. Go find it right now, oil the valves, and let's go. It's not too late for you. It's never too late. Trumpet is easy. You can pick up and start playing from wherever you are. It can be day one going forward. Always. And we're going to judge you harshly, but you should still do it. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Cleveland, I taught a, I taught a bankruptcy, federal bankruptcy court judge. His name was Randolph Baxter. He was a graduate of the Tuskegee Institute. Wow. He was about 6'5". Randolph and Baxter, by the way, is a great name. It's a That's great name. a killer yeah. name. He had this incredibly low, deep voice, and he signed up for lessons with the Cleveland Institute prep program and I was the teacher and uh, so I went to meet him for his first lesson and, it, and so I, I said uh, Mr. Baxter I'm Brian Appleby Weinberg and I went to shake his, uh, shake his hand and he said in this incredibly deep voice I was expecting somebody a little bit older <laughs> 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 and <laughs> it was great it was fantastic and um, to have him and my mother at the reception for, my, for one of my graduate recitals my mother's almost five feet tall um, right. have the two of them talking law in our apartment was at the reception was pretty pretty funny but he <laughs> took me to his to his chambers um, oh, in, wow. in the federal federal bankruptcy court in downtown Cleveland and boy when we walked in there it was clear that he walked on water I mean yep. really there was God and then there was Randolph <laughs> Baxter pretty pretty <laughs> remarkable and all the people just literally felt like they were bowing to him and I was like yeah but he doesn't play his long tones every week so <laughs> his church service <laughs> don't now, encourage had he, this had he played growing up and was coming back yeah. was that his and story he, he played yeah he wanted to play in his Sunday church services oh there you go yeah yeah there's another place right there you know uh 
you know, if you're a religious person and you want to volunteer at your church, I bet most of them will be happy to have you. Yeah, and he was great. And he played well, and he was, you know, of course, incredibly intelligent and gracious. Yeah. But yeah. Years ago, when I first moved to the area, I was contacted by a psychiatrist in Harrisburg who had never played before but wanted to play. Yeah. So he had actually he bought a box Strad, right? Hmm. This is the thing. Like, you can afford the Trump advice, like, <laughs> if you have a gig. <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we did, uh, you know, 30-minute lesson every week. It was easy stuff. And, I mean, ultimately, I think he got, you know, it was like from zero. So I think he got a little bit better. I know that I felt better <laughs> after, after every lesson. I think it was good for me. But as seriously. As, as, as long as you felt good. I, I felt good about it. We worked through some things. You were happy you with know. how you taught it is what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm just saying he was very helpful to me. Let me to work through some things. I'm like, you know, that's a little out of tune. He goes, well, how do you really feel, you know, about it? And then you told him why it was your mother's fault. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my goodness. Never too late. Never too late. Never, never too, too late. late. Well, listen, that should about do it for today. Uh, we've come to the end of another episode. Thanks for joining us on The Open Bell. Stay tuned. Tell your friends. And most of all, stay activated. So long for now, and remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.